I'm Tyler Crawley. And I'm Taylor Griffin. And this is Access of Reason. Well, the day has finally arrived that Democrats have been waiting for ever since November 9th, 2016. Nancy Pelosi actually used the words impeachment. And so I guess it is impeachment day. And uh, I, of course, I'm Tyler Crawley. Taylor Griffin here with me as always. And Taylor, I feel bad. I, I didn't get you anything for impeachment day. Uh, I know, Tyler. What I really wanted was a... DNC server hidden in Ukraine. <laughs> That's what yeah, I wanted. Yeah, for that, that would have been that would have been a good gift. That would have been a good gift for the news cycle. There's we'll, no doubt about. We'll that. get to that. What the heck I'm talking about in a moment. That's what you call a tease, Tyler. I like that. In, I've heard about in those. professional podcasting <laughs> world that we inhabit. So where should we start? Should we start with, uh, I guess, the beginning, the beginning or the ending of last week with uh, the whistleblower stuff, or just jump right into what what's happened over the last 24 hours? Well, yeah, let's 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 start with the background. The mysterious whistleblower has some mysterious thing that uh, a, a mysterious official in the Trump administration turns out it's President Trump promised to a foreign leader. Turns out it was Ukraine. People started speculating. I bet this is about investigating Joe Biden because Trump and Giuliani had been obsessed with that. Sure enough, it was first the Trumpers denied it and then. Trump said, yeah, I told him to investigate <laughs> Joe Biden. We must root out corruption. I am a crusader for good and right in putting the bad guys in jail. You know, investigations aren't witch hunts this time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and 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 then now the Democrats say, uh, you know what? We didn't quite have it there with Russia because we kind of over promised. Yeah, we were going to give you a great ending to the best spy novel ever with the, with the Russians installing their very own puppet as president of the United States. Turns out it wasn't that. And now Democrats think they've got another bite of the apple with Trump potentially leveraging U.S. economic aid to Ukraine in exchange for investigating Joe Biden. All we know is that Trump held up uh, you know, for weird reasons. I mean, maybe he just didn't like giving aid to people and wanted to look at it more closely that was the official reason but maybe it was because he was hoping that russia's that ukraine's new president might be sympathetic to his request to track down dirt that would damage his 2020 rival sleepy joe biden and now the democrats think they've got something to impeach him on trump says i'll call your bluff and today release the quote-unquote transcript of the conversation between him and the new Ukrainian president, well, relatively new at the time, was elected in May, and this was in late July, in which Trump does over and over, among other things, request that he look into Joe Biden's connections to Ukraine, a sort of uh, scandal in a test tube that Trump and Giuliani have been nurturing. There's really not a lot to it. We can get into the details in a minute. Well, I mean, there's something to it. There's an appearance of impropriety that Joe Biden should have been more cognizant of. It's the new but her emails. I think you were saying before we came on the show, right, Tyler? Before we started, when we were chatting, that this issue is probably going to be Trump's big thing that he bangs the drum about going into 2016, right? 
Yeah, well, that's that's what he wanted. Uh, was it lock her up 2.0, except in this case, lock him up. Uh, but I did want to say, I did want to correct you. Uh, you did mention that it was a transcript, which I know you're not liking that definition uh, about this uh, document that got leaked because it's not like a full-blown transcript between uh, President Trump and the president of the Ukraine. But yeah, I mean, that that's what Trump wanted. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. And really, to me, what is sort of surprising about this entire situation, and this is what drives, I think, a lot of people kind of crazy, and I don't know why the Democrats keep doing it, is that, you know, Trump, you know, everyone always has, we have this conversation, right? Like, does, you know, Trump play this 7D chess that his supporters are always told, are always telling people is what he's doing? Yeah, I don't think it is. I, I think Trump, you know, as, as everyone that's ever worked with him knows that Trump makes decisions in the moment, usually with his gut. That's how he makes decisions. So the idea that Trump plays anything out for the long game is just almost impossible. No one has ever said that he does that, um, that has ever worked with him. But the Democrats don't seem to, or they seem to have the exact same problem where they continue to find something like the Russian investigation and they go, oh man, this is it. This is how we're going to impeach him. And they start throwing out words like treason and impeachment and everything else. And now here we are, like not even a week into this scandal, and we're already not, we're now moved forward with impeachment um, than we were with the Russian investigation. And just like the Russian investigation, this is bad for Trump. There are tons of bad things in this document that was just released today about the phone call between Trump and uh, Zelensky, just like the Mueller report showed, what, 10 instances of the president possibly committing obstruction of justice. But what happened? The Democrats oversold it. And the other big problem with this entire debate, whether it's Russia or Ukraine, foreign policy is confusing. I'm not a, you know, I talk about politics every day and I still sometimes am not confident talking about it because there's so much involved in foreign policy. There's so much history obviously involved. And there's so many different things and the way things are in a way world leaders interact with each other and the and the norms are different. And so most people have no idea how foreign policy works, how national security works. And they just it, it goes over their head. And so not only are the Democrats overselling these, I think, bad um, these documents that show Trump in a horrible light and they're still managing to oversell them. But they're also doing it on something that's even, that's that's the most difficult thing to understand, in my opinion. And that's foreign policy, and so you have the Democrats overselling a difficult thing, and it's why once again, I think, despite all of the negative um, aspects of these documents, and they show Trump in a horrible light, I think he's still going to be able to say, oh, "I was exonerated. I'm fine. Everyone, move on." And most people are because they just don't get it. If you say it enough times, people believe it. That's the problem. Yeah. And that's why I think the Democrats had to start an impeachment inquiry, because you're exactly right that people don't understand the details of it. If we sit down and talk for 30, 45 minutes, go through a bunch of documents, you can probably understand what was going on with what Biden did in Ukraine and why that's not as bad as it looks. You could have the same conversation about Trump and his dealings in Ukraine, and you might come to the conclusion that it is pretty bad. But people don't make those gradations of distinctions when it comes to complex issues like this. And that is why this was going to be a liability for Joe Biden, probably more than Trump, because 
look, Trump's like the kid who who's who's already had chicken pox. You really can't hit him with a with a scandal and it's gonna make yeah. much of a difference, right? I mean, he started this whole thing bragging about grabbing her by the pussy, and then he's paid off porn stars and all of his shenanigans around Russia. There's nothing that you can really say about Trump right now that's gonna change anybody's mind. If you think he's a crook, you think he's a crook. If you think he's not a crook, you've built yourself such a psychological fortress, like Superman, you know, thinking fortress that that is impenetrable. So there's nobody's changing their mind on Trump. But who they might change their mind about is Joe Biden. And that's why this is important strategically. Maybe Trump isn't good at long-term strategy, but he is good at instinct. And he sees a political jujitsu move and he knows it when he sees it. And what he had here was a political jujitsu move, just like they did with the deep state and the FBI lovebirds, Peter Strzok and the and Mueller and the 13 angry Democrats when it came to the Russia investigation. They can sell their own narrative that muddies the water, fairly or unfairly, justified or unjustified, keeps his supporters happy and maybe make some middle-of-the-road supporters be a little more skeptical of the opposing candidate. And Joe Biden is especially vulnerable to that because Joe Biden's appeal is that he is the candidate of like sanity, calmness, a return to normalcy. Everything wasn't great in the Biden in, in the in the Obama administration. Definitely, I had tons of complaints about it at the time, but it wasn't this insane. And a lot of people want to return to that. And, you know, Joe Biden, he's he's the good guy, right? You know, maybe he's boring. Maybe he's sleepy. Sleepy Joe Biden, <laughs> as Trump said. That was Trump's big attack before, is that he's uninspiring and boring and sleepy, maybe implying that he's kind of old and might fall asleep for good before his term's out. But what he's got now is something, probably, I mean, why Rudy Giuliani was so obsessed with it is they have something to puncture that. And people won't go and look and see the details of this and make a judgment based on the facts. They'll just hear that there's something that's improper about the way Biden dealt with Ukraine. And maybe economy's good. I'll stick with Trump. And before this shows out, we should talk about the full story of what happened with Biden. Well, that's true, too. Yeah, I do. Know, I do want to get into that. You know, it's funny you when you're talking about, you know, this hurting Biden. And I think there is some proof that how you can't really hurt Trump. Uh, it, you know, it remind me of I remember uh, one of my favorite stand up comics is uh, Jimmy Gaffigan. And uh, he one time was talking about how our society loves beautiful people. And, you know, we love beauty so much that when things get tough, we say that things are going to get ugly. And he said, well, how are ugly people supposed to react to this? Like, well, it doesn't affect me. And I feel like that's kind of the way Trump looks at a scandal. And he's like, I don't care if I get muddy because I'm already covered in mud. But if you get muddy, you now look like you're muddy. And that's the problem. Trump sort of has every disease, every problem. And so just getting more disease ridden and more problem filled doesn't hurt him. But people who have who don't have that get hurt. I think the other thing that hurts Biden is Biden is selling himself not only as like the return to normalcy, but he's also the regular guy, right? He's not the trust fund billionaire from Manhattan uh, like Trump. He's not the crazy socialist from Vermont. He's not the rich professor from Massachusetts like Elizabeth Warren. He's 
you know, lunch bucket Joe. He's the guy that rode the train to DC. He's just a regular guy. The problem is Amtrak's customer yeah, of the year, 30 years running. Exactly. The problem is regular guys' sons don't get $50,000 a month deals with a Ukrainian gas company. They don't get billion dollar deals from China. So everyone's going like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Maybe Joe is Joe, you know, good old Joe, but what's going on with his son? Is his son like kicking back money? Like, it doesn't look like he's a regular guy. It looks like he's a swamp creature. It looks like he's just as corrupt as everyone else. And if he's not the, hey, I'm just the every guy, you think, uh, you know, a factory worker in Michigan or Wisconsin are going to vote for the guy whose son's getting billion dollar deals with China in Ukraine? I don't, I don't think so. I think it hurts his everyman image and therefore hurts one of the things that he is going to utilize against Trump. I think that's exactly right. I mean, look, I think it is a fact that Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's younger son, has has traded, I think, on his father's name. I mean, yeah. how, why, why is it that a Ukrainian natural gas company <laughs> comes to hire Hunter Biden? Well, because his last name's Biden, honestly. And that doesn't mean that by hiring him, you're buying favors with the vice president's office, although that's what a lot of people more cynically would assume. Well, but you kind of hope for it, too, right? I mean, you're hoping that you're going to get some benefit of putting Biden on your board. It's it's well, the benefit. It, a lot of companies do yeah. this. So Burisma had this issue, you know, like a lot of companies controversy in the Ukraine and Britain froze some of their bank accounts. Well, we'll hire somebody with a name uh, who's respectable and say he's in charge of like compliance. And, and making sure that we're on the straight and narrow and doing good things. You may not trust us, but you can trust a guy named Biden, Hunter Biden, right? His dad's the vice president. I mean, you know who Hunter Biden is. Good guy. And so you can trust us. So unfreeze our assets or do whatever. That's a common tactic that companies use. And Hunter Biden appears to have traded on that. That doesn't mean that Hunter Biden was going to his dad and saying, hey, dad, can you go have this prosecutor fired? The issue got all wound up because there was this prosecutor in Ukraine and he would not investigate a lot of the cronies of Viktor Yanukovych, who was the guy that Paul Manafort famously worked for, who was the Putin ally who got forced out in the Maiden Square demonstrations back in 2012. So Shokin wouldn't follow these investigations. It, it appears that maybe he was shaking down people for bribes in exchange for not investigating them. He was apparently holding this investigation is in his back pocket against Burisma because this company is controlled by a former Yanukovych ally. And the Burisma people say that, that this Shokin guy was just shaking him down was starting to look like that there was a lot of backsliding going on and that if you were a big politically connected well-to-do, you scratch Shokin's back a little bit, he's going to look the other way. And that was a problem for the IMF and the EU and, and the US, especially with a billion dollar loan guarantees that we were about to give to the Ukraine. If there wasn't a prosecutor who was going to make sure that that money didn't get corruptly expropriated by powerful, politically connected politicians, then that was going to be a problem. And, and we weren't going to put that money in if it was just going to get pilfered by corrupt politicians. 
Tiller is a prosecutor who would actually put people in jail for doing stuff like that, the U.S. would not agree to this loan guarantee. So Biden tells this story in 2018 where he's basically bragging about his efforts to fight corruption in the Ukraine. And that's where he really walks into the mess because he says, you know, I I went into Ukraine and we were worried about corruption and we're going to make this loan guarantee and they wouldn't fire this prosecutor. So I said, you either fire him or I'm out the door. And turns out they, they, they got rid of him. So, so when you know that whole backstory, you kind of understand why Biden was so worked up about this prosecutor. But it also turns out that this prosecutor's office had a open but, but dormant investigation, basically, maybe just like a dangle to try to um, extort uh, this company. Who knows? The investigation, I don't think, was something that Hunter Biden was overwhelmingly concerned with at, at the moment. I don't know, but he says he'd never discussed it with his dad. And you can't really imagine Joe Biden like doing some corrupt favor for his son and then going and giving a big speech bragging about it, volunteering this as as a story that he's going to brag about, you know, if he's done something corrupt or illegal. But yet that's what happens. They've got video and they've got a connection with his son. You put the two together, mix them up and uh, add a little hyperbole, some Twitter. And you got yourself a scandal there that can potentially tarnish Joe Biden going into the 2020 election, maybe bolster Trump's hopes for getting a second term. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of amazing because everyone's like, yeah, look, Biden did the same thing. And and, and it's just it's it, it, it's so amazing because I'm like, do you really not see the difference between what Biden was arguing and what Trump supposedly did? And I, I just don't think people do. I mean, once again, this just goes to show it's like, well, I don't get it. Like, you know, Trump, you know, is pressuring the uh, Ukrainian president, which, by the way, it's also really funny because, um, you know, Trump supporters are all over the place in their defense. You know, some are saying, like, I didn't see any pressure. There's no quid pro quo. There's no pressure. What are you talking about? Others are saying he's totally fine to pressure the Ukrainian president. And then I think there's like another option. I was, uh, you know, I was jo- last night I saw the Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst. I want to say that again to stress legal analyst was arguing that Donald is he a lawyer? <laughs> I don't know. Even? I mean, they, he's supposedly a legal analyst. I guess you don't have to be a lawyer to be, I could be a legal analyst. I'm giving my legal opinion. He actually argued. Another guy that's apparently suffered brain damage from an aneurysm oh, or something I, and, and, and now makes money being a professional lunatic. Well, a professional Trump supporter. I mean, that's essentially what he is. He goes on Hannity's show and professional lunatic, professional Trump supporter. <laughs> well, I will that's say, I mean, I'm sorry, Trump supporting friends. I don't think you're all lunatic. Well, that's, that's my point though. As professional Trump uh, supporter, you make more money. Professional lunatics. There's not a lot of money in that. Um, de- you know, depending oh, on yes, how you there market is. it that, um, but have you ever followed Mike Cernovich's Twitter feed? But he's a professional Trump supporter. <laughs> no, he's a professional lunatic before he was a professional. He's had lots of incarnations. Well, that's true. At one time he was basically like this, like misogynist, a pickup artist um, guy. He, he tried, he tried his hand at being like a cult figure of misogyny. And, and, and he tried his hands at like secret ways to get girls in bed and tried to be a guru about getting girls in bed. Yeah, he's a pickup guy. You know, he's had a lot of incarnations. And then he briefly went to being an anti-Trump supporter. I don't know what he's up to now because he blocked me on Twitter because yeah. I asked him a simple question. Oh, I mean, for crying, for crying out loud, a simple podcast host for North Carolina. Do you really need to block me, Mike <laughs> Cernovich? 
Yeah, no, um, yeah, no, Cernovich, and then at one point, um, he was trying to argue that the Trump supporters need to align themselves with Muslims to defeat the Catholic Church. That was that was probably my favorite position that he ever took. So I will agree. I will amend my uh, strict. I will strike from the record Trump, that Cernovich is a Trump uh, professional Trump supporter, and go back to what you said that he is a professional lunatic. But Every week now, Tyler, I'm going to highlight a new professional lunatic because the lunacy pays. <laughs> if you and I could be crazy, that's true. A little mental illness would increase this po- this podcast popularity exponentially. Well, I do think, and I've argued this before, that I think the way to make money in um, it, when it comes to punditry, like professional punditry, the, to be a really good pundit, you either have to be really, really, really smart or really, really, really stupid. And I think that that's the problem that I at least suffer from is I'm not really dumb, but I'm also not really smart. And so it's harder for me to go to one extreme or the other. So um, that's what I suffer from. But um, uh, like I said, Greg Jarrett was on Hannity last night and basically argued, he made the third argument, which was that Trump had a constitutional duty to pressure the Ukrainian president. And had he not, he could have essentially, it would be dereliction of duty. And I guess he would face impeachment for not, not pressuring the Ukrainian president. But I mean, this is, this is the, the problem that we're facing is that people don't get why a president pressuring a foreign power to do something for his own political gain. And then what Biden did where, yes, as you correctly pointed out, there was some connection to Hunter Biden's company, uh, Burisma, but the entire international community wanted this guy fired. This wasn't like Biden going to Obama saying, hey, can we get this guy fired? It was the other way around. It was Obama telling Biden, you got to get this guy fired. And even more interesting is um, I guess I guess some people think that maybe that is what happened. Um, what is troubling, though, is that because of that conflict, Biden probably should have taken himself from that post. He probably should not have been involved in Ukrainian politics because of the position that his son had. And that's what complicates things. So because Biden didn't remove himself from that situation, he has created the situation himself. So Biden does does bear some blame for not being smart and smarter and saying, you know what, my son's on the board of this country or company in this country. I should probably not be the point man in dealing with the Ukraine. No, that's right. And and look, he should have sat down with his son and say, son, you know, you got to make a living. But I dedicated my life to public service. Um, you know, Biden's really never done anything but be above yeah, 27. I, mean, I think he joined the Senate. Right. I mean, he's he, for his entire life, he's done nothing but politics. And so may, maybe you should find another way to make a living besides trading on my name. I, I think that this whole thing in Ukraine, when Biden owns the Ukraine portfolio for the Obama administration, it was a big issue. And you know, there were certain issues that Obama said, you know, this issue is yours, sort of like Melania Trump has be best the Twitter, the social media anti-bullying campaign. <laughs> <laughs> One of Biden's be best was Ukraine. That was his portfolio. He owned it. He owned the Ukraine portfolio. And here his son is making money working for politically connected, powerful people in Ukraine. It's the very least very bad judgment. I I don't think that there's actual corruption there, but there's definitely some bad judgment and that Biden should have been more aware. Uh, You know, interestingly enough, I was just uh, 
going through my Twitter feed here during the program and uh, just to add a little bit more uh, controversy to this whole issue. Uh, apparently, the Ukrainian president thought only the Trump side of the conversation was going to be published. And they published the whole thing. And obviously, you know, Trump's kind of talking trash about, you know, Germany and Merkel and others. And the Ukrainian president probably in, you know, in, who wouldn't in a situation you're talking to the most powerful person on the planet. Who's got like, two, hey, who's got three hundred and ninety million dollars yeah. in they, sweet, sweet yeah. cash. That that and you that, want that he, that you don't know whether he's going to fork it over the table. And when he says like, "Yeah, doesn't doesn't Merkel suck?" You're going to be like, "Yeah, she sucks." <laughs> and because what are you going to say? Like, well, no, actually, uh, the European Union's actually given us more money than you have. So no, you're just going to agree. And so I guess now he's going to have to explain why he was trash talking uh, some some of the leaders in Europe. So uh, now uh, a big ally of Trump's in this, the Ukrainian president and government uh maybe they, they might be a little less uh um aligned with trump now that they they kind of burned him by releasing the whole transcript well, well this is why i we can go on to a tangent here i think we should go on to a tangent here tyler <laughs> clearly i have some concerns about trump potentially leveraging public funds for his personal political gain you just don't do that but at the same time I thought the DNI and the Justice Department made the right call by withholding this whistleblower complaint and the decision to release this transcript was a big mistake. You just alluded to exactly why. The President of the United States has the sole authority to conduct the foreign policy of the United States. The President has to be able to have confidential conversations with foreign leaders and foreign leaders have to have confidence that those conversations will be held secret, that they'll never be publicly known because then foreign leaders can tell them really important stuff, not just a little trash talking gossip about a, another foreign leader, but really serious stuff about strategy and plans and issues of national security and America's national interest. To release that, now every leader has to wonder whether the president of the United States will betray their confidence because he got wrapped up into some mess or some scandal. And that's why I was outraged when those embarrassing transcripts of Trump's conversations early in his administration with the president of New Zealand, where they got in a shouting match, and the, I guess it was the president of Mexico as well. And somebody released those transcripts and as if to say, look at Trump. He doesn't know how to handle this. He's getting in arguments with foreign leaders and raising their voices. I guarantee he's not the first leader to do that, by yeah, the way. And 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 Trump's, you know, arguments were silly, but still it undermined something very important about the presidency. The moral of this story is as much as folks, a lot of whom listen to this podcast, assuming if you listen this far, you've got your You've got your reasons to be skeptical about Donald Trump. Maybe you're even outraged about Donald Trump and think he's a danger to the country. But these norms that people are violating in their effort to get Trump outlast him. And future presidents, because these transcripts have been released of calls with foreign leaders, can never be fully confident that their confidences will be kept. And that is a damage to American foreign policy that will be felt for a long time. 
long time. I would highly recommend everyone going and reading John Yu's piece in the New York Times that came out, I think, last night, maybe early this morning, where he essentially makes that same argument. He says, listen, there is no equivocation on this. The founders gave and have argued in the Federalist Papers, Supreme Court rulings. I mean, this is absolutely without question the powers of the president to speak to um, uh, uh, foreign leaders is absolutely 100% the power of the president without oversight. And he actually argued that the Democrats are could damage the presidency, especially with everything that's happening right now. I mean, the argument from Democrats is Donald Trump is messing up Russia, China, North Korea, Iran, everything. So the next president is going to have to deal with all these people and we need him to be able to deal with these people and not be worried about these things getting leaked or worse, a whistle. I mean, the, the argument that John, you makes is this whistleblower report is absolutely 100% wrong in that um, a, a whistleblower report cannot be filed by an intelligence um, official because Donald Trump is not an intelligence official. There's no reason to file this report. I mean, it, it's there are so many problems with this. And listen, you can think Donald Trump is horrible, as you mentioned, all day long. You know, I think we're sort of in agreement on this, that Donald Trump has destroyed a lot of norms. And, you know, this is a troubling development, but it doesn't mean the way that they're obtaining this information is going to be good for us in the long run. And I think that is a big concern um, going forward. But it's a great piece by John Yu where he, he lays out sort of the foundation and why this could be a problem for Democrats going forward. Also, I highly recommend Jack Goldsmith read on this that uh, posted a few days ago on Twitter at Jack yeah. Goldsmith. Jack Goldsmith's with Lawfare, a pretty brilliant legal analyst of, of these issues. Not a Trump fan uh, at, by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination, but at the same time on this issue, you know, I think he and I and you are kind of aligned. The moral of this story is, okay, you're concerned about Trump violating norms and you're right to be. At the same time, going around and smashing norms does just as much damage. Just going around smashing norms in opposition to Donald Trump is is doing your part to make sure the damage to the national fabric that is being inflicted in the Trump era, and it's not just inflicted by Donald Trump, some of it's being inflicted by the response to Donald Trump, will making sure that damage will last much longer and hurt far deeper. Well, and I did want to add, um, Kevin Williamson's got a new book out, Smallest Minority. Um, you know, I think individual the, the subtitles like um, individual thinking in the in the age of group think. But he basically argues this is one of the biggest problems, especially in the age of Trump, where people argue that we need to destroy constitutional norms to save constitutional norms. Like, you know, we need to stop that person from having free speech in order to save free speech. Well, no, you don't understand that you're doing the very thing you're claiming is happening. So Trump may or may not be breaking norms in some areas. We kind of know he is, but in this situation, Trump may or may not be doing it by what the Democrats are doing is absolutely breaking it. And, and that's not any better. And so destroying something in order to save it is still destroying it. That's right. We have to destroy democracy to save democracy. And Tyler, (laughs) if you look at the whole situation with the whistleblower complaint, Obama wrote a signing statement with the Defense Authorization Act later in his presidency, I think. And it it had to do with the whistleblower provision that was in the Defense Authorization Act. And basically, he had a signing statement that, you know, Article 2 powers doesn't apply to the president, yada, yada, yada. Presidents, Republicans and Democrats have defended these prerogatives of the presidency. 
the norm was for the Trump administration to refuse to turn over this whistleblower complaint. The breaking of the norm is actually doing it. And it seems like because Trump's normally the one breaking norms, that everyone has got that backwards. Yeah. It's not an outrage that they didn't turn over this whistleblower complaint. I doubt that the Obama administration would have turned over such a complaint either. And I can speak from experience since I was in the Bush administration. Certainly the Bush administration would not have complied. No, I agree. And uh, I think the Democrats need to be very careful because, you know, we, we tend to get in this mindset where we believe the way things are is the way they're always going to be, which is weird because Democrats keep talking about trying to get Trump out of office. But they need to realize that at some point a Democrat's going to be in office. And if they destroy um, the presidency just to get Trump out, they're going to be facing, you know, like I said, there's some big foreign policy issues that are coming down um, the way. I mean, obviously, Russia, Iran, North Korea, um, as we just mentioned, China, and they're going to need to deal with those. And if, you know, the, the, our foreign policy and national security are compromised, that's it. it or, or they're, they don't feel the, they don't feel that they can speak freely. That's a problem. And that's going to hurt the relationship and the ability to fix these problems going forward. Tyler, what a great point to end on. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> it was, it was a very good point. Very salient point, Tyler. Great job wrapping up the show. It's like you work in radio for a living Ah, or something. I know. I I can trick people sometimes. Well, thanks for joining us for this week's edition of the Axis of Reason podcast, where we like to remind you that the fundamental political divide is no longer left versus right. It's reality versus nonsense. Thanks for taking 30 minutes of your time to join us in being on the side of reality. Until next week, I'm Taylor Griffin for Tyler Crowley. Thanks for listening. Oh, and don't forget to like, subscribe, share, all that stuff. You're supposed to say that on every podcast, right?